Sal Berry. I went to an All-Star game in 1991, and I still remember the game being boring. And Tim Parrish. Can we please, once and for all, get rid of Pierre Maguire? Why would you turn on Pierre now? Where's the off button? I'm going to click the off button. I'm going to unplug this podcast. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Puck Junk Podcast. Still a few uh, months away until hockey season officially begins, but, well, a little less than two months away. But uh, still a lot has happened over the last uh, couple of weeks, over the summer. Uh, And so what Tim and I have done for today's podcast is we're going to talk about some of what we thought were the more surprising or the crazier things that has happened in the NHL over the summer. Now, not included are the Blackhawks getting eliminated in the first round, which I found very surprising, and the Penguins winning the Stanley Cup, which I also found very surprising. Tim, of course, disagrees. Of course. (laughs) Why is that surprising? Uh, Because it wasn't Chicago or L.A. in the finals. Uh, Uh. They're overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, obviously, obviously. So, uh, so what do you want to? So we got we got eight things picked. So let me just uh, run through these matchups, uh, uh, matchups real quick, and then Tim, you could pick which one you want to talk about first. So we tried to pair things off, kind of in similar categories. So we have Patrick Waugh quitting as the Colorado Avalanche head coach versus Randy Carlisle being re-signed to coach the Ducks after they filed him, fired him however many seasons ago. We have Las Vegas being awarded an expansion team versus the World Cup of Hockey and all that's been going on with that. We have the P.K. Subban for Shea Weber trade versus the Taylor Hall versus, um, I always forget Larson's, Adam Larson. Uh, so those two trades. Yeah, exactly. I keep wanting to say Oliver Ekman Larson because that would have made a little more sense. But sure, you could you could say his name too. It still wouldn't matter. It wouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't change things. Uh, and then our uh, fourth matchup is uh, the Jimmy VC free agent sweepstakes versus the Steven Stamkos free agent sweepstakes. That wasn't really a sweepstakes after all. So, Tim. I do a lot of talking. Your turn. Which one do you want to talk about first? I think we just start at the beginning. Let's go with uh, Patrick Waugh versus Randy Carlisle. All right, so what are your thoughts on uh, either of these, and which one do you think is more crazy? All right, myself, if I'm going to choose one of two of these, it's a very hard pick, but I'm still going to go with Randy Carlisle being rehired as a more crazy event. Now, Patrick Waugh quitting, I didn't expect that. A lot of people say they did. I didn't up and just walk away from the team. But, I mean, you can't blame the guy for what's been going on there. And if your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. They'll find another coach. They'll find somebody in the team, and they've got a lot of young talent. They'll be able to build a team and be a contender. The, 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 issue, the issue that I have and that a lot of people have is bringing Randy Carlisle back to Anaheim. One of the biggest reasons why he was canned in the first place is he doesn't play or he doesn't coach the style of hockey that makes the great teams in the NHL contenders year after year after year. I mean, granted, I'm not going to take it away from him, but he did win a cup with the Ducks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to give him that. Mm-hmm. But after that, if you look at the, all the teams that win year after year after year, they are puck possession teams. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're teams that keep the puck, fire shots on goal, and, and continuously fire shots on goal and keep the puck. And that's not his style of coaching. He doesn't he, he doesn't have that in his ability to be to to do anything. I mean here's a team that fell off after he won that title Mm -hmm. because you figure they won the cup and then I mean they barely made the playoffs the next right lost in round one the next season lost in round two the season after out of the playoffs the third season uh lost in uh, round four or in round one the his the the fourth year after that and then was uh uh, halfway through 11-12 was uh replaced 
Yeah, so you bring in Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, and he builds the team up to – they're the best puck possession team in the NHL right now. Now you bring back Randy Carlisle, who's shown that he doesn't play that style of hockey. He didn't play that style of hockey in Toronto either. And, you know, you see what kind of shambles Toronto's been in. So now you bring him back and try to put him into the mix of a team that has the best. I can only imagine what's going to happen. I think I read something not long after they hired by one of the um, writers, by one of Anaheim's hockey writers, and they said based off of their math, uh, right off the bat, just his coaching coming in, they're going to lose seven, seven to eight points right off the top. Really? And just because of, of the, the style of game that he coaches. Now, I, you know, I ho- wish him the best and I hope he's successful, but I don't understand the logic behind bringing back in a guy that, I mean, let's be honest, he's, he's, his coaching style is not for today's NHL. Right, and so I, this is what I don't get. Okay, you, it's 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 kind of like going back to your your ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend, but not like a week later or a month later. Like, hey, we could work it out. More like, you know, what's going to change? What what has changed in the past uh, one, two, three, four and a half seasons uh, since he was let go from the Ducks? I mean, what was the conversation like between him and Bob Murray, the general manager? Like, you know, like, like, well, you want to be our head coach. What's different about you now than what was different, you know, than 2011, right? Like, right. I, I don't get that. And I think the other thing, I, I have to agree with you here because we know that Patrick Watt is kind of prone to temper tantrums. Like, do you remember that game where he no, and uh, really? he had, he has rem- temper? You know, it was funny. I remember the game back, the the epic game back in '95 when he st- stormed off the ice, stormed off the Canadians bench, and yeah, that that was kind of a crummy thing. Don't want to, you know, don't want to say that this influences everything he does, but it it shows what kind of guy he is. I mean, he's passionate. You know, he's, he's the a competitor. Yeah, okay, but he's like the I'm gonna take my ball and go home kind of guy, right? I'm gonna take my puck and go home because I'm pissed, right? So from what I understand, from what I've what I've read on Patrick Waugh, he was also like the vice president of like player development, so he had like some other token job with the Avalanche. They weren't really following what he wanted to do. He wanted GM Joe Sackick to go more aggressively after some big free agents in the summer. They didn't do that, and then that upset him, and then so then eventually he just he, he leaves. I think what's surprising about this, though, is the timing. Like, what a terrible time to, to leave a team with, like, seven weeks before the NHL season and then and then have them looking for a coach and all the good coaches have been picked over because remember like Bruce Boudreaux it wasn't a matter of if he'll get a job it would have been a matter of when he'll get a job when he was let go by the Ducks and when he signed with the Wild and it was like you know I mean I'm sure the Avalanche would have loved to have talked to him or Ken Hitchcock, although Hitchcock pretty much just re-signed with the Blues, but you know what I mean? Like, instead of, like, towards the end of the summer when, like, all the good coaches have pretty much signed with the team, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I don't... And I didn't really think about that point until you just brought it up, and now, of course, my skeptical conspiracy theory mind is working, like, maybe he did this to stick it to him. But, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Joe Sackick's his golfing buddy. He right. wouldn't scream over, would he? No, but he. But the bigger thing, I mean, it just it, it had it would have had to have been that way. I mean, Sackick wasn't going to fire him, but no, Sackick would never fire him. Right, you're not going to fire your friend from your job. Right. So of course, his only way out was going to be to quit. But you know, if you read if you read a lot of the you know, stuff that that some of the local team sports writers write. You know, earlier this in the season, they talked about um, how or questioning whether or not Patrick Waugh's heart was even in the job because he made numerous mentions that 
the team was going to have to be extremely aggressive in the offseason if they were planning on competing in the in today's NHL. And, right. you know, here's your here's your head coach saying over and over again in in interviews that if, if we have to dump salary to to rebuild, we we got to do that. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like team management wanted nothing to do with that. So you're right. You know, everything you say and everything you do and suggest is falling on deaf ears and you can't get any movement. What what choice do you have? Is that his place, though? Like, I I never was really a fan of uh, a GM who was also a coach. And I'm not saying that he was the GM and the coach, but I was never a he was, fan. He was vice president of hockey operations is what his title was. Right, but like... Oh. I understand a coach could say to a GM, look, we need help in that, get us a goaltender, right? But I, I get that. But I, I always, I didn't like coaches having that much power where they they could like dislike a player and then they trade him. I'm not saying that, that Wah had that power. I'm just saying though, like, I think that maybe if he just focused on coaching the players that he had and worrying less about the players that they didn't have. But then again, you know, a coach wants better players that's, so and i don't that's, know that's the problem you're the coach down on the bench and you're also the coach up in the booth and you can't be both right and it makes it difficult well how, let, let, let me ask you this how do you feel about owners that become players or vice versa wait what owners that become players yeah or that were players but are also owners what like, like mario lemieux like, and len like barry are the only two that come to mind and len yeah. barry's stint in uh Tampa Bay didn't last that long. Uh, and that's what I was going to say. I'm not comparing them as the same thing, but, you know, when Mario put the skates back on, he was he had ownership in the team, and he came back on the ice for multiple reasons. A lot of it was PR, and a lot of it was to try to solidify what they had there with, you know, a young team and having Crosby come in and everything else. So I, I think it was to put butts in seats really more than anything else. But, you know, this one's different, and like I said – if we're putting Roy up against Carlisle, I'm definitely going to say that Carlisle one is the much more surprising and baffling one for me. I got to agree with you there, because even though I was kind of surprised about the timing of the Patrick Waugh thing, I wasn't really surprised about Patrick Waugh being Patrick Waugh. Like, that that didn't surprise me. So, I'm yes, so we agree. So, Randy so we're Carlisle. Moving Carlisle. Carlisle moves to round two. Okay. Shall we... Um, Shall we talk about the VC sweepstakes versus the Stamkos free agency next? We'll hop over to the other one of the other brackets here. Yeah, let's let's deal with that since the VC thing is fresh on people's minds. Yes. So I started the last one. Why don't you start this one? Well, okay. Uh, the Stephen Stamkos free agency wasn't really. I mean. It wasn't really much of a, a sweepstakes. Um, I thought it was funny, like maybe four or five months ago, the Hockey News had a cover of Stamkos and they photoshopped him in like six different hockey jerseys, <laughs> like a Red Wings jersey and a Maple Leafs jersey. And um, I am kind of glad that he stayed in uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, I... I, I I'm 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 happy because, you know, he's their marquee player. I think about how much uh, you look at like when Rick Rick Nash left the Blue Jackets and how much that hurt them. Um, and uh, I I think uh, I think Stamkos sticking. I think he knows. Well, I think two things. I think he knows that the team is a contender, and it's it's good to be on a contender. Um, Versus, like, if he were to go to Toronto, Toronto. Okay, who's who's more likely to win the Stanley Cup next year, Tampa Bay or Toronto? Well, if Randy Carlyle was still coaching in Toronto, I would definitely probably lean uh, well away from them. Also, right, say Ex- Tampa Bay. Exactly. So, <laughs> Tampa Bay, their window to win another or to win a championship is still open. And he's a big part of that. And if he went to another team, they'd have to build around him. Or he might, I don't want to say be a spare part, but look at like the 2002 Red Wings, right? Where like your second line was like Brett Hall, Luke Robitaille, and and uh, was it Sergei Fedorov or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whereas in like 
Tampa Bay, and I'm not saying he wouldn't be a first-line player anywhere, but if he went to, say, like Chicago, it would kind of be more like where would he fit in versus let's build the team around him. And Tampa Bay is kind of built around him. He's their captain. He's their marquee player. Uh, You know, another thing, too, um, they don't pay a state income tax in Florida. Yeah, the fact that there isn't any. So Uh, I think that's good for if you're a pro athlete and you're not paying that income tax in, in Florida. So, you know, that's... That makes well, that's the it... thing. What did he t- What did he take? I mean, the, the the I think the argument is, you know, he signs this what eight and a half million dollar contract, where pretty much any team in the league that was vying for his services was willing to pay ten at least. But you know, that's ten million dollars, and you had to pay taxes on it. He gets mm-hmm. eight and a half, and he gets eight and a half. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. I don't know how much taxes would play a part in that, but you're right. You know, do you want to play for a contender that's ready, that's built and ready to win now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as the franchise player, as the superstar on your team, you know, first round pick, you know, the whole deal. You could be that. Other than maybe five teams in the league, I don't think there's a single team that wouldn't have loved to have him on it. Mm-hmm. It boiled down in the end to what the press would lead you to believe was Toronto and Detroit. And really who wants to go and play in Toronto and Detroit? I mean, I I know you're playing on a NHL team of, of hockey that's out there with the teams that are perennial playoff teams is far, far and away above, you know, anything that the teams that can afford you, Mm -hmm are going to be able to, you know, duplicate, you know, these guys want to win They're competitors. They want to be able to have an opportunity at least to go out there on the ice and skate every single day for even playing for the Stanley cup. You don't want to, you know, hit playoff time and be, you know, playing golf Mm -hmm. as much as these guys love golf. They don't want to be playing golf that early. So, you know, it's one of those things. And so, you know, the Stamkos thing, I don't know. I think the media made more of the Stamkos deal than was actually out there. I well, but it, then why didn't he? Why didn't he sign during the season? Why did he? I mean, think about it. He not only did he not sign during the season, but then he made that dramatic uh, comeback in the last game of the playoffs. But but here's the thing. What do you have to gain by coming back in the last game, the last ditch effort of your team to hang on to a shot at going to play for the Stanley Cup? What do you have to gain? Are you put, trying to put yourself out there to showcase yourself to other teams? Yeah. You're, you're Steven Stamkos, though. You don't need to show you were some you know, second-line player or an up-and-coming superstar. I, I, I understand. You're Steven Stamkos. People what you can do. Even if you were injured and you come back, you're still probably better hurt than 50% of the other guys in the NHL. Right. And if you're I mean, injured, it's okay. But I mean, now it's okay. But if you come back and you play hurt or you cut it really close to an injury, that shows heart. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I don't think a player should obviously risk their health. And if you think about how bad the league was, you know, 30, 40 years ago when. You know, players were being pressed back into playing before they were maybe even fully healed from a concussion or some other injury. Um, Well, let's just say this, and this is an argument for another day, but I still think that the media and access to media, the fact that we have the Internet and Twitter and everything else, played a much bigger role in the potential of Stamkos going somewhere other than Tampa than the actual reality was. Okay. You know. Rewind 15 years ago, does anybody even argue? Hey, Stamkos could leave. Yeah, I doubt it. And that's probably the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, today they hyped it up, and I don't think most real – I don't want to say real, but I don't think most hockey fans thought that he was going anywhere, mm-hmm. especially, especially when an announcement wasn't made um, early on. Because I think you would have heard something way before that uh, of much more certainty, and, mm-hmm. and you never you never got that. But 
I think the bigger the bigger issue, and we're probably going to agree on this one, is the, the VC sweepstakes, which, in my opinion, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I don't like the way this whole story. I think it's ridiculous that a player was able to, to do something like this. I understand it. I understand with the collective bargaining agreement. I understand with, you know, with the way the players association is set up and the rules and all that that kind of stuff. I get it. Guys want to, this is their living. This is what they do. This is, they want to get paid. I got it. I understand all that. But the fact that Nashville had this player, had the rights to this player, realized they were never going to sign him and never could sign him, traded away his rights to another team, and he basically toyed with them throughout the offseason until finally it was, well, I could potentially go anywhere I want. So let me look at all these other teams and a whole host of teams, you know, brought him in and took him out to dinner and wined and dined him and showed him and everything else. And then he signs with the Rangers of all teams. The Rangers blows my mind because I don't understand where the connection is. I don't get it. Well, I mean, it could be a couple of things. I mean, if you were a hockey player, where would you play? Or where would you want to play? New York, Buffalo, or Nashville? I could see going to New York for the sole purpose of, hey, it's a big market town and everybody's going to see me on TV. Okay, fine. You are a highly touted prospect. I mean, you won the Hobie Baker Award. You play for Harvard. I mean, you're a. Everybody's watching you anyway. Mm-hmm. They're going to see you, regardless of which team you pick. And all the talk before this was he's going to go to Buffalo because him and Jack Eichel are best pals. They're BFFs, and you know, imagine those two together on the same team, and it's going to be great. And yada yada yada. Then all of a sudden, you start to hear, oh well, Detroit's talking to him. Oh well. There's a possibility of him going to Pittsburgh and playing with Crosby. There's, you know, a possibility of him going to this other team and, and this Chicago. Other. The Blackhawks yeah, were Chicago. That was the whole thing up. I even saw some stupid article where they were talking about potentially dumping Patrick Kane in order to bring in Vesey. I'm like, get the heck out of here. This, no. make, this doesn't make any sense at all. No, it doesn't. So, but when I hear them going to the Rangers, I just can't, you know, again, it, it boggles my mind. It, it really does. I don't, of all the teams that were supposedly in contention. Well, actually, I, you know, what's that. funny is that, so the, uh, a couple of years back, the Blackhawks had a, a player that they drafted named uh, Kevin Hayes, who went to Boston College, and then he ended up signing as a free agent with the New York Rangers. So now the Rangers are two for two on, hold, on uh, signing collegiate holdouts, right? They got, uh, Jimmy, or excuse me, they got uh, Kevin Hayes back in 2014, and then they got uh, Jimmy VC uh, this year. So uh, good for them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I don't, I don't doubt that he's probably NHL ready. I mean, the way he, the way he plays in his game. Uh, if you, if you've ever watched any, um, he's got a, a great ability to make he's a playmaker mm-hmm. he's he, he's i don't want to say he's the best goal scorer or the best passer or anything like that he's a, he's a, a playmaker and and those kind of guys are are rare anymore you know you have your shooters you have your passers actual play he makes things happen when there there's nothing there to happen mm-hmm. so i mean the rangers getting a player like that that could be scary well, he or would... he could turn into a bust. I mean, that could be possible too. And I, I couldn't wish that on a better team, but you <laughs> know, for, for my money, uh, you know, comparing the two that we were comparing here, I, to me, Vessi's a bigger shocker. Yeah. I think I'm going to agree with you there too, just because he went to the Rangers, I guess just because of how the whole thing uh, unfolded with Stamkos most of it, you're right. I mean, 90% of that was the media speculating and fans speculating and everybody, get, oh, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? Oh, somebody threw a Toronto jersey on the ice. Ah, what, what, is, what are we supposed to think about this, right? And yeah. with VC, there was a lot more drama. I mean, 
the fact that he kind of pulled that bogus move on Nashville, that was surprising. The fact that the Sabres, I mean, they didn't trade much to get his negotiating rights, but they tried, uh, that was surprising. And then, yeah, going to the Rangers, uh, when he could have pretty much gone to any team he wanted. Um, but I believe with the Rangers, he thought that he would probably be put into the lineup right away and probably be a, oh, and he will. a top and he six. Will. And I hope he's ready for that spotlight because he's playing in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's that's all you have to say about that. He's playing in Madison Square Garden. So any margin of error team has now been shrunk infinitesimally down to a small smidgen. So he's going to give get a really short rope with the New York media. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hang himself with it. All right. Well, moving on, let's talk about the uh, the two big trades that happened uh, coincidentally on the same day. So you had PK a couple S- minutes apart from each other. PK Subban for uh, uh, Shea Weber, and then Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Uh, you know, it's funny when Subban was traded. I mean, my girlfriend likes hockey. She knows all these players. She knows who PK is. She knows who Shea is. She knows who Taylor Hall is. Um, but when when PK was traded, I, like, literally sent her a text message. Like, I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, my God. And I, like, texted her right away, which is funny because you only do that when, like, the president gets shot or when, you know, one of your hometown players gets traded, right? Like, you tell, <laughs> you tell people, right? But for a, a guy playing in Canada for a totally different team in a totally different conference. But still, I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Um, what I also find interesting about this is, okay, so we know that uh, we know that the, the coach didn't like PK. We knew that the GM didn't like PK because, you know, negotiating and contracts and stuff like that. And the coach, oh, he's too whatever, flamboyant or whatever. Um, he's not a traditional player. He's okay. not a traditional. He doesn't, yeah, let's, yeah, let's put it that way. He doesn't fit into the 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 Habs heritage style of, you know, hockey tradition. Right, right. And, you know, I'm not really a fan of uh, Michelle Therian, their, uh, their head coach. I, yeah, me neither. Well, no, and you know the thing is, I'm getting you didn't, off. You didn't actually have to have him coaching the Blackhawks. No, but you know what? I read a really good book called Tales of a First Round Nothing. It was written by Terry Ryan, who was a first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens in 96, I believe. Excellent, excellent, excellent book. Very funny. Probably one of my favorite hockey autobiographies. Um, but he played under Therian. Uh, when he was in the minors, and I mean, he was just if 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 some of what Terry Ryan said was true, he, he sounds like a really terrible coach to have. But I mean, you know, Ryan also said, "Ah, eh, you know what? I was young and headstrong. He was a young coach and kind of headstrong too, and so you know, we both kind of made mistakes that affected you know his own playing career." But after reading that, I'm just like, "Yeah, I can't really like you anymore." Like, uh, actually, he, he put up Ryan to, and I, I'm going to forget the details because I read this book two years ago, but I guess he was playing in the minors. They were playing against some other team. This other team's, like, team captain had come back from an injury, and so the crowd gave him, like, a standing ovation, and then, like, during, like, first intermission or whatever, Therian tells Ryan, okay, you need to go out and kick, pick a fight with him. You need to go out there and, and beat him up. And it was to basically take the other team out. You know, it'd be like when Mario Lemieux came back from cancer if, if if a guy on the other team kicked his ass, right? That would be a total shitty thing to do. But that's what Therian told Terry Ryan to do. And, like, nobody backed him up. Nobody, like, the team captain didn't say, oh, this is stupid. Um, the, the assistant coaches didn't say, no, we shouldn't do that. And so then after... Uh, he made him do that, he quit, and he told Montreal that he wanted to trade, and that kind of, uh, that kind of bungled his career. So, not a fan of Therian at all. And of course, I'm basing this on one person's account of what happened, but still. Sure. Um, but... Well, speaking from a fan that had him as a coach for a short period of time... Do tell. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of him either. Um... 
you know, Subban got a lot of focus. He got a lot of press because of where he played. Um, you know, Canada media is unforgiving when it comes to hockey. And so you're under the spotlight and it is what it is. You're a flamboyant player. You play your style of game. You, you, you inject youth and excitement into it, to a traditional game, a gentlemanly game as they, as they refer to it as, and you end up pissing off a lot of people. So he did that and he got moved. Who did he piss off besides the coach and the GM? Well, who else do you need to piss off? That's true. But what I'm saying is like, who in the media was like, oh, this guy's a jerk? You know, I don't have specific names, but I've, I've, you know, listened to people before and okay. I've, listen, I've listened to the rationale and the reasoning ever since this trade was made and just to hear some of it. And, you know, what you hear of him during the year when people talk about him in highlights and things is different than what you hear after he gets traded and people start talking about, oh, there was dissension in the mm-hmm. locker room and he's not a player's player and, you know, even the players don't get along with him. And some of it might be true, some of it might not. It might be a bunch of people just blowing smoke. Who knows? The, the fact is it's done and over with. Shea Weber's a Canadian and... Subban is now wearing a cowboy hat. So, I mean, there's not other than that there's there's really not a whole lot to say about. It. I don't from a player standpoint other than age, can you call it a wash? Maybe. Well, here's another interesting thing. So, I guess the analytics person that they had on staff with Montreal said, "Please do not make this trade." Yeah. Like said, like, you know, cause, and actually I read this, I just read this book called Stat Shot, which is understanding the world of hockey analytics and makes a little bit more sense to me now. I'll probably have to reread it, but what sank in, I mean, I got, and I was, and, and, and I get it. Like when you project a, 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 a player's career trajectory and, and what they contribute and then, and, and everything else. And so the analytics person said, we shouldn't make this trade. They made this trade, and then they decided not to renew the contract of the analytics person, which is funny if you think about it, because it's like, shut up, I'm right. No, I'm right. I don't oh, care yeah. what these. I don't care that the numbers don't r- lie. I'm right. You know, it, it, it's like the it's like the king killing his advisor. That's like the company that the company that fires their accountant because the accountant found out they were stealing from themselves. So, I don't know. I. I Okay, so Subban Again. Weber, and then the other trade. Okay. I am hands down 100% voting for the Hall-Larsen deal as the most crazy, insane trade that I don't, or... Larson, okay, Larson can be the, the, the highest goal scorer this season coming up. And I still won't understand this trade. Okay, that, you know, That's how crazy I think this trade is. Now, real quick, just to clarify, because when we talked about this trade a couple of podcasts ago, you were telling me that Hall was one of the top 10 players in the league. And then later on, you said he was one of the top 20 players in the league. So which is it, 10 or 20? Look, the guy or was 25 first, or 15. The guy, the guy was a number one draft pick. Yes. Okay. He's not a slouch. No. He's the he's the kind of player that you can build a team around. He's a franchise guy. He he's a guy that seems. I mean, I don't know him personally, but just based off of his career thus far, he seems like that kind of guy that'll be your leader, and you could you could build a team around him. Let me ask and, you this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, he made okay. Top 10 might have been a stretch, but top 20, as far as forwards go, I don't think that's that's a stretch there. No, I don't say that. I don't either. Let me ask you this, though. Edmonton needed help on defense. They really needed help on defense. Just pick a player in the NHL. Don't even worry about if they have a no movement clause or not. Pick a defenseman in the NHL where a Taylor Hall for this defenseman that will help the Edmonton Oilers, where that you would have looked at that and said, okay, that trade makes sense. Like, okay. Straight up? Yeah. If we're going to... No sp- one. No one. I don't have a single person... Shea Weber. I don't even know that you can trade Shea Weber straight up for Taylor Hall. 
I mean, not I'm, even talking just, about salary say, stuff. Just one for one. Is your okay? We're talking about the Oilers here. Yes. Everybody knows their defense is non-existent. Right. Their goaltending is also non-existent. Right. So even if you had the best defenseman in the world, you still don't have a goaltender. I'm not saying okay? who's going to the defenseman that's going to turn their their season around or their team around. I'm just saying. No, like, I got that, but you you you, you got to understand here. We're talking about taking away probably your best player. Mm-hmm. him with a need in a certain area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best player for a need to fill a hole. Those aren't, those aren't on the same level. You're talking best players up here need to fill a hole is right here. They are priorities, right? But you don't give up your best player to fill a hole. And that's all uh, you get more. You get more can't go and get just some guy to fill a hole for your best player. But you have Connor McDavid something. is going to be their best player next year. Let's start with Connor McDavid again. Well, no, I don't Connor either. McDavid, you know, okay, I'm glad Panarin won the won the Calder Trophy. Because, I am too. Thank because you. McDavid's a great player. I, I don't doubt that. But, okay, his first year in the league, he got hurt. So we literally didn't see everything he was fully capable of from beginning to end in a season. It, you could take what and divide it by however many games were left and come up with some kind of number and say, well, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, he would have gotten this. You know, fine, whatever. I don't care. You don't trade Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. You can trade you can trade Jordan Eberle for him. You can trade you can trade Nuge for him. I won't mind. That seems more along the same lines. But you don't trade a Taylor Hall, get rid of all that scoring, get rid of all that leadership, get rid of all that potential. That, yeah, he's going to fill a hole. The guy eats up a lot of minutes. He plays, you know, he plays hard. And I don't want to take anything away from Adam Larson. I may sound like I'm slamming the guy, like he's horrible and worst player ever. He's not. I mean, this is a good player. But, again, he's one guy. And I, I don't know. I this This will baffle me. I get it. I understand it had to do with cap hit. I understand it had to do with filling filling a need. I understand all that. I get it. But this is why I'm not a GM or a coach or involved in any decision making whatsoever in hockey, because I would probably ruin a franchise just based off of the way my my brain works. Hmm. But I am going to say that Hall for Larson was the most crazy, ridiculous trade well above and beyond the Subban and Shea Weber deal. Okay, so I think I think I'm going to agree with you here. I mean, if I don't agree, if we don't come to a consensus sooner or later, this podcast is never going to end. But like, I think that while I will say the Subban Weber trade was like a bigger, holy moly, oh my god, what the hell just happened? Kind of trade. It, and and yeah, I mean. We both think that Nashville got the better end of the deal, especially since they got a younger player at a cheaper price, and they got rid of that crazy $15 million a year contract that, you know, the Flyers really were, you know, responsible for with uh, that offer sheet. Um, But I think, like, big-name player for big-name player is maybe a little less surprising than big-name player for pretty good defensemen. So yeah, I'll I'll agree with you there. Uh, even though, like I said, the the Subban Weber trade is probably more I don't say more talked about, but more. Well, too. Late. I know you. I know you like that one a little more, and I can tell you're. I can tell you're giving in, and this is this is a let's move this along pick. <laughs> no, no, no. Because honestly, like if you said to me straight up, all other things being equal, if I was building a team, and you said to me. Who do you want on your team, PK Subban or Shea Weber? If I could only pick one, and like they're equal, they're equal salary, everything else, I would be torn. I would be torn because I've liked Shea Weber ever since he came into the league. I've liked PK Subban ever since he came into the league. I, I like both players a lot. I could see how they could both help a team. Uh, and I think I think, with, I think if you're starting from scratch though you go with the you go with the Subban because younger the younger guy he's the sexier pick. 
Right. So, you know, you go with Weber, you get the leadership, you get that experience and everything else, but who's to say you can't find that in another player? Youth isn't always around. Right. So right. You know, that that might be the better, you know, the better option from there. Okay. But then again, you say the same you're starting a team. Who do you pick? Taylor Hall or Adam Larson? Oh, Hall, yeah, obviously. There you go. So Right. So that's that's why I have to agree with you there. Yeah. Um, okay, so then our, our, our last of the the uh, quarterfinal match, or semifinal, or whatever. Uh, round one. Round one, thank you. We got Las Vegas getting an expansion team versus the World Cup of Hockey and all the craziness that happened with the... Um, the unveiling of the jerseys and the naming of the players on the roster. And hell, I'll even throw in those ESPN commercials because I kind of like the fact that they kind of make fun of, like, we all said, ESPN, they haven't covered hockey in like 10 years. You know, what do they know about hockey? Do they even have hockey people on staff? So I think it's kind of funny that they have like that character who's like interviewing the players and he doesn't know anything about hockey. Uh, They're, making fun of themselves and I, I like that i appreciate that yeah I, I can only imagine what what's in store for us from an announcer standpoint no i well i mean you just get you get emmerich and um can't wait to hear Jack. barry melrose every five seconds oh god <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even think of that did you no, I mean, I know he's still... I, I feel bad for Barry Melrose because he's like the hockey guy on a, a, a TV station that doesn't have hockey. Yeah. So, like, what are they'll do Sports Center, and then, like, when they talk about hockey for 15 seconds, do they, like, unlock the closet, let Barry Melrose out, let him say yeah. his thing, and then lock him back for the next 23 hours? Yeah, he walked out and he says, have you seen my stapler? And yeah. that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's, he's that guy. Barry Melrose, didn't we fire him in 2005 when the yeah. when, when, uh, when we uh, when the NHL signed with the Versus Network to broadcast games in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, his, yeah. his office is in the basement next to the boiler room. Oh my God, dude, that is so that is so perfect office space, right? Right, exactly. Because they're like, well, yeah, we were checking our records, and why do we need a hockey analyst on staff? He doesn't, exactly. you know. Exactly. Okay, so, um, oh, Melrose and his mullet. Um, okay, so, and then also I remember, like, when we first started doing these podcasts, like, a little over a year ago, you were like, no way Vegas is going to get a team, no way, and if they do, no one's going to watch it, it's not going to succeed. Vegas is, uh, what did you call it, a bunch of transients or something, transplants? Vegas is a very transient town. Okay. There isn't isn't a lot of native Vegas people. Um, And so my initial thought to that was, how are you going to get a bunch of people to latch on to a hometown team when most of them don't even consider Vegas their hometown? And everybody comes there from everywhere else, and there's fans of everything going, has a sports book, and there's factions of every other team's fandom all around the room. Well, you know, now they fast forward a year and this has become a reality and Vegas has now got a team and you start to see some of the some of the things fall in place and you saw the support that came out for the team and you saw the number of season tickets that they pre-sold and you saw the money that they were able to come up with and put up for this team and just how the city's kind of rallied around the whole idea of having this franchise there. I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of scary and the rules that they put in place uh, for the for the upcoming expansion draft and for how the team is going to be handled throughout the expansion draft and and going into you know building their team through free agency and everything else they're they're stacking this team up for the potential to win right out of the box and I don't think we've seen this in many of the other expansion drafts or you know expansion time frames when they brought other teams in you know these teams come into the league and it's you know years and years until finally they they're able to build this team up around around things these guys are set up to win so it's going to be interesting to see how they set up you know their farm team and 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 everything else and start start being able to build um build this franchise to be a success and i'm kind of i'm kind of excited to see it 
And, you know, it's funny, too, because you're talking about how these expansion rules seem a bit more or a lot more favorable. And I think back in previous expansions, maybe not the ones in the late 90s, but in previous expansions, I think, like, with a lot of the teams, they were so desperate, like, to have an NHL franchise that they would have taken any terms. They would have agreed to almost any terms, like here's my $50 million or whatever the expansion fee was. I know it was $50 million in the early 90s. I know it was $2 million back in 67. Um, you know, here's my money. I'll accept whatever terms. I just really want to have a team in the National Hockey League. And I think now both the owners of teams and the NHL realize, you know, if you put a team you put a new team, it, it does have to win because it's going to strip, like any new business, you know, the first five years are like the biggest struggle, right? And you need to establish itself. I'm not saying that a team can't struggle after five years or be successful after five games, but it, they need, yeah, they need, they need, I guess the NHL is giving them that support that they need with these rules. Um, so, well, and that's what any franchise is going to need to survive in this NHL. I mean, look at it. We've got, we've got arguably, um, I'll say six to eight teams that year after year after year after year are Stanley Cup contenders. You'd probably agree with that. Yeah. And and you always see them, and they're always there. And why is that? Because they built that franchise for success, and they're able to cultivate a, a good farm system and good prospects and be able to work free agency to their advantage and the trade deadlines to their advantage. So having a team come in and, and, and shoot for the basement is not HL wants or needs in order for, you know, them to ultimately do what they want to do. And that's make money. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to win fans with the losing team. Now it's funny that you said make money because you know, the other thing was world cup of hockey. Uh, which oh yeah that's 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 the uh, it's so interesting about the World Cup of Hockey see I look at it you know you think of the old days when they would do the Canada Cup mm-hmm. and they would have these big you know tournaments with professional players obviously playing against each other and it was you know there were some good matches and there were some good rivalries that were kicked up in there but ultimately you know you saw the guys you know shake hands and everything else and because you knew that some of them were going back to the same teams and playing again and kind of like the, how the Olympics are set up mm-hmm. this world cup of hockey thing. I don't know if I'm totally on board with it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, are feeling that way. They're like, well, a couple of things they are like, well, does this mean that the Olympic, the NHL participation in the Olympics is going to go away? And I think we all know the answer is yes, or probably, uh, you know, just to, just to backpedal a little bit. So, you had uh, the World Cup of Hockey in 96, and you had the World Cup of Hockey in 2004. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no World Cup of Hockey in between those two. Where was there? I don't believe so. I don't remember a World Cup, World Cup of Hockey. I'm going to just do a quick little Google search here. Uh, World Cup of Hockey. And let's see what... Yeah, I don't, I don't think there... Let's see what good was. old Wikipedia has to say. Because everything on there is true. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> not to brag, but Wikipedia has started linking to some of my articles, which makes me feel... Really? Yeah, makes me feel important, right? Like. So then, in essence, then everything you... Say that again? It, it cut out for a second there. I said then, in essence, if everything they write is true, that means then everything you write is true, just by process of association. Right, yeah, so 1996 and 2004. So, okay, so before that we had the Canada Cup, 76, 81, 84, 87, and 91, and then you can even count the 72 series um, if you want to. Um, And then World Cup of Hockey, 1996-2004. So in 1996, it seemed more as we're renaming the Canada Cup to the World Cup of Hockey because we really want to get people excited about the NHL participating in the Olympics. That made sense. Once the NHL players started participating in the Olympics, it didn't really make sense to also have a tournament um, 
that was a best-on-best best tournament if you still let the players be in the Olympics. So it kind of became redundant, but... Uh, and I'm actually surprised. I mean, 12 years between World Cup of Hockey's, like, from 2004 to 2016. Gotta have players that are willing to participate. I think that's the. I think that's what this boils down to. Now, any country that goes and says, "Will you play for your country?" I'm sure it's an honor for most players. But think about it. It's not an Olympic year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't have that coming here. Olympics usually get paid in the winter time, so hockey season's already going. You've already been in training. You're already at your, you know, competitive level physically mm-hmm. because you're in the middle of the season. Now we're going to have a playoff type tournament before the season starts, and you've got players that have a normal routine and everything else that they've done and. Now you got to be in like season-ending shape at the beginning of the new season, mm-hmm. and I I don't know I'm I'm just I'm torn on this. Want to watch it? Yeah, I want to I want to see what the competitions look like. I want to see what the competitive levels like. I think it'll be fun. Um, again, I I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I guess here's what here's what I'm afraid of. Okay, I'm afraid of my own team's players that are participating and there's not many of them, but one in particular, Matt Murray, you may have heard of him. I'm afraid of these guys going out there and getting hurt because they're playing at such a high level in a playoff level as the season starts. Are they in that type of condition to be able to play at that level and compete and then be able to start the season and play on their normal teams and not get injured? I mean, I guess that's the risk you run in preseason in any sport, but you're, there's a diff- people treat preseason I think differently than they do tournament, right? Am I wrong here? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, preseason is is the, the way preseason is now. It's like the coach just kind of figuring out lines and working out kinks and stuff like that, and you know, maybe you got guys who might make team or are trying to make the team or whatever. Uh, I think now it's a little less trial and error, and I think now coaches are a little more kind of have a pretty good idea of who who's going to be on their roster other than maybe one or two spots. Um, tournament, yeah, I mean, big deal, country, national pride, stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I've never played for a national team, so I don't know. I mean, I know... Um, Bobby Orr played in the '76 uh, Canada Cup, and he was uh, pretty much trashed his knee for 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 good. Yeah. And he said he didn't regret it. And I know when he went, uh, was it '70 or it could have been '74. I I I, I might have met, mixed that up. It was either '74 or '76. Uh, was there a '70? Sorry, there was '76. Uh, no, '74 was something else. So yeah. So I think. Uh, you know, that was so important to him. He did not want to miss that. And he pretty much, that was pretty much the end of his career um, at that point. I don't know. Like, the NHL putting a team in Vegas is the NHL making a lot of money. And the NHL doing this World Cup of Hockey is them making a lot of money also. So I guess the question then is, is which is more surprising? That they put a team in Vegas or that they're doing this cash grab tournament. And I'm going to say putting the team in Vegas because, check this, it was only one team. They didn't go from 30 to 32 teams like we all thought they were going to. They went from 30 to 31, which is weird. Well, it is weird, and it's weird to have an odd number of teams. But the other weird thing is they went to a non-hockey market again. And I know... Bettman's got a hard on for that. He loves going and taking and putting teams in warm weather markets. I will defend Bettman to my last dying breath. You you can defend him all you want, but he I mean he he shows that he likes that and he sticks to those teams and he funnels money to them and he keeps supporting them because he thinks they're going to work and more power to him. But do you put do you put a hockey team in a Canadian town with 
100,000 people or do you put a hockey team in an American town with a million people? And I don't well, know if that's Vegas's population, but you get my point. I, I And I understand that completely, and I know a lot of this was the, the sheer economics of it. I mean, let, let, let's face it, the Canadian dollar doesn't fly uh, when it compares to, you know, U.S. And, you know, putting a te- I don't think putting a team there is a bad idea. Okay. You know, I was skeptical when it when I first heard about it, and I thought, ah, I don't know about this. But you know, I'm glad it's the NHL that's getting the experiment, and not a, not a different sport. I mean, I'm sure the NBA was was looking hard at, at Vegas as well. Um, you know, football has been a question years, and it's never really come to fruition. You know, baseball was discussed years ago, and it never really came to fruition. So I'm glad the NHL is is taking the taking the step. And, you know, as far as which one's more shocking, I mean, the NHL coming up with a scheme for a cash grab, that's not shocking at all. But, you know, the fact that they're willing to, to roll the dice and, and bet on, you know, a little desert town where the, the primary economic gain is through gambling, that's pretty significant. I think that's pretty surprising. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement here that... Yeah, I know. What's up with that? We didn't disagree on anything. There's, there's no dissension. Great minds think alike. No, we had we had very good discussions on this. Uh, we don't have to disagree. I think we talked about both sides of the argument. But, you know, in the end, the facts speak for themselves. Okay, so moving on to round two. Let's hop back over to the other bracket. So now this is kind of going to get a little weird because we're comparing um, apples to oranges now. So, which is more shocking, the Hall-Larsen trade or the uh, Jimmy VC signing with uh, the Rangers? I'm still sticking with Hall-Larsen. Yeah, you know, I agree. VC, VC was going to sign somewhere. Somewhere that'll pay him money and it's somewhere, somewhere that's going to a lot of top him. six minutes. And... Right. Somewhere that was going to be in his best interest, in his best interest only. So it was going to be... It was going to be somewhere. I'm kind of shocked that it was the Rangers. I think a lot of people are, but you know, it is what it is. The Hall Larson thing, again, just transcends all logic in my mind. Right. Okay. So, Hall Larson, and then on the other bracket, okay, then uh, the Ducks bringing back Randy Carlisle as their coach uh, versus Vegas getting a hockey team. You know what? Growing up as a Chicago Blackhawk fan. I think I've probably seen Bob Pulford be the Blackhawks coach probably three times during my tenure watching the team. And I think he's ended up being the coach of the Blackhawks like seven or eight times between the late 70s. And then like they'd bring in somebody else and they'd fire him and then he'd go back. So, But that was kind of a different situation. He was never really fired. He was a company man. So they'd always throw him back in. But... Is it more surprising that a team rehires an old coach, especially with it being the same GM, or is it more surprising that the NHL expanded? Because both of these things happen. The NHL just hasn't expanded in like 15 years or 16 years, but which is a long-ass time. I think, okay, here's my, and this goes back to my Randy Carlisle argument from earlier. I don't know that you could answer the question about Carlisle until you see what happens at the end of the year. I mean, we laid, we laid it out. Carlisle doesn't coach the style of hockey that Anaheim's been groomed for over the last few years. So if the team goes out there and, no pun intended, lays an egg on the ice. Quack. Because ducks, ducks lay eggs, yes. you know, for those of you that didn't know that. Um, do penguins lay eggs? They do. They do. Do you remember Pete the um, Penguin? Or Penguin Pete? Pete? Penguin Pete. Was it Penguin Pete? What are we talking that about? That was before here? your time. That was um the Pete. <laughs> the Peng- Probably. Well, no, I was before my time, too. But you know me. I'm a nerd for history. The Penguins had a mascot called Penguin Pete that they would bring out during intermission. It was an actual penguin Oh. that they'd bring out yeah, on the yeah, ice. Yeah. yeah, I think that penguin probably died. Oh, um, well, frostbite. But... But um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I think I think you kind of have to give Carlisle a chance to fail on his own. 
Not that he will, but you know, let, let's be honest. If the Ducks regress, uh, Bob Murray's going to have a lot of questions to answer. I mean, that's right. But we're talking about like how it might play out in the future, and I think what I, I I think I'm more focused on just which of these things is more surprising. Just like Hall for Larson was more surprising than collegiate player signing as a free agent with the team who's going to give him a good contract and lots of minutes well and and just like you said you've witnessed the same coach coming back multiple times and whether it's because of firing or not i mean it it happens there's only so many nhl coaches in the league and they get recycled back and forth and once you go through them you're down to assistant coaches or bumping guys up from the ahl so or mike keenan yeah well yeah there's that too uh or you can bring you can bring uh what's his face back that we were just talking about um, from the basement of ESPN Studios. Oh, Barry, um, yeah. yeah. From the um, basement but, of ESPN yeah. Studios. Right. Um, but so, so I guess, you know, rehiring a, rehiring a coach that you previously fired, probably not as shocking as putting a team in Vegas. So I yeah. would probably... Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I'd be less surprised if they put the team in Seattle, which, like, it's funny, like, everybody wants a team in Seattle except Seattle. Yeah, and if they put a team in Quebec, I think everybody'd be like, "Well, Quebec deserves a team." Well, Canadians, if if if, if there's going to be a team in the put in the United States, Canadians would like it in Seattle because it's not that far of a drive. True, and that that would yeah, that would actually be that would actually be pretty cool. Um, all right, so Vegas edges out Carlisle in the other round two matchup. So now the final match is between Las Vegas getting an expansion team. And uh, Hall for Larson. I want to. I want. You ever play Mega Man Two? Remember, would do that music. Would they like? Would they show you like what level? I I wish we had that music for like these matchups. But okay, Vegas versus Hall Larson. I'm gonna let you make your pick first. You know what? Stupid trades happen all the time. They're maybe not this stupid, but there were... Exactly. Right. Maybe not this stupid. But stupid trades happen all the time. I'm going to lead towards expansion because the NHL finally did it. After talking about doing it, they finally did it. They finally did something. So I am going to go with Las Vegas because the NHL, after all of their committees and panels and, and, and exploratory this and that and whatnot, and we need to, you know, we need to take a soil sample and make sure this and that and the other thing, they finally freaking did it. So I am going to go with Vegas as my pick as the most surprising thing of the summer, the Vegas expansion team. And it's okay if you want to agree with me. This has been a very lovely podcast. I was going to say, are you, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready for this? Yes, bring it. I actually will agree. And here's why. Okay. Not, not for the same reason. Well, sort of for the same reason. You say stupid trades happen. Yes, stupid trades do happen. People lose their minds. Yarmir Yager got traded for a bag of rusty nails at one point in time in his career. Dominic Hasek got traded I, for Christian Rutu. Yes, I mean, well, technically, you're right. it was someone. It was Stefan Beauregard, which then in turn got traded for Christian Rutu. Might as well have been that bag of rusty nails that the Penguins got ten years later. But again, Hasek at the time, did anybody know he was going to have the career he did? Yes, because he was player. So? He was he was goaltender of the year in Czechoslovakia for five years in a row, and then when... He, We're talking NHL level. Right, right, right. Well, check this out. So um, I read somewhere that when in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals, when uh, 92 Finals, when uh, Keenan pulled Belfour and he put in Hasek, Hasek Yarmir Yager went to the bench. This is This is what I read. He was ghost white, and he said, guys... This is going to be tough. This is the best goalie in in Czechoslovakia. He remembers him. He's he played against him. I believe he played against him. But no, actually, that wouldn't have made. Nah, I don't think so. Maybe. But the point is, is that no, I don't know because Yager was drafted. In... Legend has it. Well, no, but he was very familiar with him. But the thing is, oh, sure here's he the other thing too: is that Hasek was 
at the end of the 91-92 season, he was named to the all-rookie team, and he only played like 20 games or something. So, yeah, I knew he was going to be a damn good goaltender. He exceeded my expectations. I'm still bitter about this trade, but like I said, stupid trades happen, whether it's Yarmir Yager for um, a bunch of players who I can't even remember, or Dominic Hasek for Christian freaking Rutu. Yeah, Michael Civic, uh, Roosevelt, and some other guy. Rosie, well, you know, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Anyway, going back to what I was saying. Yes, stupid trades happen. And the reason why I'm going to go with the Vegas thing, because this is a, it's much bigger than Vegas. Putting a team in Las Vegas, it's much bigger than the team itself. It, it has a much bigger impact. It's, it's more than, you know, just adding a team to the NHL. It's an exper- It's an experiment that's never been tried before with a professional sports franchise, and it's going to be interesting to sit back and watch it. And there's going to be a lot of impactful information to be taken from it, mm-hmm. as well as entertainment added to to, to watching the NHL. Hall and Larson, Hall not being on Edmonton affects Edmonton. Hall being on New Jersey affects New Jersey. Larson, whatever. But <laughs> it's it affects those two franchises and the fan bases of those franchises. Edmonton's pissed on. Okay, we'll get over it because he's gone. So you're gonna have to deal with what you got to deal with. You know, New Jersey's ecstatic that they have you know that type of player. Great. It affects those two teams. How it impacts the league overall, I don't know. We don't know. We'll see. They're going to play the season, but it's a much more, it's a much broader thing having a team in in Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm going that route. Yeah, and like I said, yeah, I agree. Different reasons, but you know the result is the same. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Vegas is the, I don't want to say craziest thing, the most surprising NHL thing that happened over the summer, the most surprising thing that happened in the NHL over the summer. But we want to know what you think. Uh, if you agree, if you disagree, uh, leave a comment. Uh, let us know that you're listening to the podcast. Let us know if you think Las Vegas getting a team is the most surprising thing to happen in the NHL or if it was one of these other things we talked about. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.